Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Who's Got Next podcast. Riley Shepard here, joined alongside from here on out, Bryce Wyatt will be joining us full time as my second in command co host. Bryce, how excited are you? So, so excited. So excited. I had a great time last week. Uh, One of my favorite things in the world is to talk sports. So for me to be able to get to do that um, for about an hour every week um, with one of my closest friends is super exciting. So (laughs) we did. We did have a lot of fun last week. We did. I'm not going to lie. It's always, always fun hearing someone who's so well-known so so educated in sports getting getting to hear different opinions stuff like that always fun and we didn't we didn't even argue that much last week no we are we are not Stephen a and max kellerman (laughs) at least yet (laughs) not yet anyways it might take a couple weeks to get there but Uh, i know We'll see. One of these days, we'll disagree. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. All right. Well, there is a lot to talk about, so we'll just we'll just get right into it. This past Sunday was part part one of the Lance Armstrong documentary titled Lance, part one of two. And first episode really, really dove into his childhood, his upbringing how his mom had him when she was only 17 years old. He had two, two very abusive fathers. And one of them even like made a point in saying that if it wasn't for me, then Lance wouldn't be where he is today. Who's this, this was his not biological father, but, but very disciplinarian and really talked about how he, he started with triathlons, right? And started competing illegally as a 15-year-old because at the time you had to be 16 to actually be able to compete. So he would forge forge his birth certificates to compete because he was winning everything, right? And and as a 15-year-old, he started competing in these adult triathlons with the best best in the world and that's really where he started becoming famous right mm-hmm. spotlight had the spotlight on him really early on as a child and then it kind of went into his start of his career how well he was doing very early on and really going into his battle with cancer with battle with testicular cancer starting the Lance Armstrong Foundation and the part that really really stuck out to me which I want to hear your input on Bryce and we all know all the doping things how using illegal drugs and substances to enhance his performance but one quote that really stuck out to me was when he was diagnosed with cancer, he said that he doesn't really know if the doping caused that. And yeah. he's, he made a point in saying that he didn't want to say anything wrong because he doesn't know. He doesn't know if it's a yes or no answer, but 
I just thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty powerful statement, honestly, <clears throat> to think about, like, in, in, in his, uh, I guess from his perspective, it's all a matter of, was it worth it, you know? Like, was winning all these Tour de France championships and triathlon and cycling and all, all the stuff that he was winning to be, honestly, probably the best cyclist this world has ever seen, was obviously getting cancer and going through all that was it worth it and if you know obviously he said he wasn't even really too sure but if the doping had something to do with it my question is do you like would he obviously regret doing that and would he be the same today if he didn't and it's all a matter of perspective and uh legacy and I, you know, I think Lance, and this was the big thing I know, at least when I was seeing promotions and stuff for the Lance documentary, they were saying, they were saying, like, is he a, like, is he a good guy who who did that bad things? Or is he a bad guy who did good? And can you be one way or the other? And I, I personally think Lance Armstrong is a good guy. And through his organization, he raised a lot of money. And, and I mean, it, it's pretty well known that cycling as a whole is a pretty corrupt sport in the first place. Everyone, almost everyone, had been doping for decades before, you know, Lance won all these championships and it really came to the forefront. And for him, it, like I said, it's like a matter of whether or not he thinks that winning is it's essentially putting a price on his life right and that's that's one thing for someone for someone who doesn't know a lot about the backstory to Lance Armstrong outside of cycling and the doping scandal it was really interesting to see how to to reiterate your point how important as unfortunate as it is, how important doping was for performing oh, yeah. well in cycling, because they had a lot of a lot of his old teammates on, a lot of former cyclists, and well, their point was, if you didn't dope, then you weren't going to perform well, and exactly. you weren't going to hardly even place. And they all like he wasn't the only one. We all know that the. 1998 Tour de France was nearly canceled because of a huge doping scandal at the time. Oh, yeah. And ultimately, he saved cycling in the late 90s from going from the 98 Tour de France, which based, which almost ended cycling as, as a whole, to 99, which... Lance Armstrong won after coming back from stage four cancer, which, which is a huge feat. And I think that like as an American and as looking at that, like I, I don't really think that Americans perform as well in these cycling championships no. in, until Lance, obviously. And yeah. I, I think that's huge. And from like an American's perspective, it's like he's coming back from the tour de France after, yeah, going through, stage four cancer like that is a huge like 
story of perseverance and like never stop fighting. And, and I think that, that the whole, the whole uh, doping stuff, and I know they'll get a little more into that in part two, but it definitely, and the bad, the bad side of yeah, Lance Armstrong. the bad side of Lance Armstrong, I think has definitely tainted his legacy as a whole, but I still do think that just looking at his story based on the facts of knowing what the sport is like and knowing, you know, obviously the statistics about how many people do dope and yeah, you need to dope in order to perform. If you really look at it, it's, it's essentially like, there's so many good things about the whole situation that it's hard to, hard to see the bad if you look at it from a certain perspective but like i said they'll get more into that obviously in part two i i think that lance like i said did a lot of really good things especially with his organization raised a lot of money for cancer research you know at one point in time when we were you know in elementary and middle school like people were wearing those yellow bracelets all over the place and like you know, Lance strong. And so like yeah. he, he kind of had a whole country like behind him. And and then, and then another aspect of it is when he did get caught for doping and all that stuff is like, did he let the country down in a way? And that's a, that's a question he has to, has to ponder. And obviously, like I said, it did, it hurts his legacy as a whole for, for doing that in the first place, whether or not it's good for, whether or not you like need to for the sport cheating in america is like top 10 worst things you can do on a on a big stage obviously it's just very very interesting to especially for cycling which obviously isn't a popular american sport which they made a lot of points towards that which is why at first he wasn't very famous people knew about him uh-huh. But up until winning the 99 Tour de France, nobody in America really, really saw him as a famous person. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, like it's not a popular sport or wasn't until he kind of put it on a map. I think and, he totally did. I, he did put cycling and and honestly, just sports like that in in general, cycling, biking, running, like the whole triathlon series, like he put that that stuff on the map more low-key single person sports and uh, me personally i can say i witnessed it firsthand like i when when he was winning all this stuff like i was doing triathlons like as a kid and my mom and aunt and cousins and my cousin was a big cyclist for a really long time and and i i would like to say a lot of that probably has to do with the impact that lance brought back to america from his championships uh in the tour de france no 100 percent. and outside of what will be discussed more more so in the second part this sunday he did have a lot of a lot of impact which you just talked about he had a lot of impact on americans and ultimately staying fit and easier easy ways to stay healthy outside of playing their traditional football basketball and no i I think 
No, but, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think, you know, and, and with sports as a whole, like if you look at how did how did sports get put on the map? And, and it's like you always have to have that one person to like to do that to be like the pioneer to like make popularize the sport to a certain level. And I think, I mean, I don't think I know that Lance Armstrong was that person and he, he, it was easy to be able to market behind him, even from like a marketing perspective within the sports world is like I said, like it's easy to market behind Lance Armstrong and his whole foundation and everything. And when we were, when I was doing triathlons, like, all you could see was like everyone was having the yellow bracelets on and all live strong bracelets. Yeah, live strong all, all <laughs> the tents. Like they had live strong tents with like gear, four triathlons, water bottles and and little singlets that you could wear and swimsuits and uh, swim caps and everything. Like whether it was biking or not, like Live Strong is like such a brand that he used and he successfully used to create, yeah, a healthy, more of a healthy culture in America. And I guess I can't really speak to before I got into triathlons and cycling and running and all that stuff. But I, I saw a lot of that side of, I guess, America, you can say. And there's a big market for it. Like there's hundreds of people who show up to these triathlons and cycling races and whether they're just families of the people cycling they show up and they have a large market and people know about it and uh and then the other the other aspect of it and we'll touch more on this next time we talk about it after part two is do we think lance and the whole situation that ensued after his doping allegations has put a downfall on the industry as a whole and, uh, you know, I can't necessarily speak exactly to the numbers right now, but I don't know. I would like to say that it, it, it might have had an impact on that. You know, I, I think it definitely has. Obviously, we don't have the exact numbers, like you said, but I think in the States, most definitely. But, but overseas and where it is more popular, obviously, France, Germany, all of these other European countries, I don't think it'll it'll ever really diminish. Yeah, and and, and that's the whole thing about it is, uh, yeah, like like we've said before, like if it's so well known, and obviously these other countries probably don't take as much of a like hardship i guess you could say to cheating as a whole but like i said cheating in america is like on a on a large scale if you cheat you're like almost you're done for your career didn't matter you're like crucified like i mean if you look at for example like i'm kind of going on a more larger scale sport but uh with uh barry bonds and barry bonds yeah a lot of people a lot a lot of people never want to see him in the hall of fame Personally, I think he fully deserves it. But I i mean, there are arguments to say that maybe he doesn't if he cheated. And that that's the whole thing about it is, uh, you know, and then if you look at like the Houston Astros in recent history, like a couple months ago, cheating with the World Series and people are really, really taking 
taking that to heart. And uh, the, I, this documentary is so interesting and I'm excited to see where it goes in the next part. Like just to see the impact of cheating in America is just, it's, it's one you don't want to endure, I guess. And from Lance's perspective, he got it all on himself. It wasn't a team. It was just him. Right. And he took all of the heat. And that's uh, that's something he's going to have to live with. No, most, most definitely. And we will definitely get into more of that next after next Sunday's episode, which I'm sure will be will be very juicy, which if you haven't watched it yet, highly, highly recommend doing so on ES part two will be on ESPN this upcoming Sunday at nine o'clock. Now, as we all know, the NBA season has been put on hold because of the COVID-19 outbreak, but it seems like they are are making more waves in trying to resume the season. For sure. Currently, the NBA is leaning heavily towards going into a 16-team playoff, completely eliminating the East and the Western conferences, and just having it 1 through 16. They are also leaning towards having Disney as the host for these games, for the this ultimate playoffs. Already started preparing hotels to host players now, which would which would be very, very cool for both of us to yes. go, <laughs> go to UCF. Um, very local. <laughs> Which, yeah, we. Who knows if uh, if we if we'll really ever see any of the players, but just the fact that, especially myself who has played AAU tournaments there, playing on the same floor as LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Steph, well, Giannis, you know, would be yeah. would be pretty cool, For but, sure. but they're out. As they've started talking about resuming the season, a Knicks legend and current Georgetown head coach Patrick Ewing was diagnosed with COVID-19 Friday morning, obviously wishing the best for him and his family during this time. He's He had no comment on the NBA's talks to resume the season, really just stating that the, this virus is serious and should not be taken lightly. Now, him not making any comments about the NBA resuming the season, I think has really strengthened their argument to start and try and go about resuming the season in any way possible. And I just want to, I'm really curious to see how you feel about that. Him not commenting on it. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, Obviously, like, you know, I I think Patrick Ewing, NBA legend, like, is someone of that stature in the NBA, you know, in the NBA sphere. Getting COVID is super unfortunate, and I, you know, I hope everything goes well with him and he gets through it. But him not commenting on the idea of the NBA not returning – I think that that could go either way, honestly, because there are a lot of 
former NBA players who were from that area, like Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal coming out and pretty much saying we should not have yeah. the NBA. Like, throw it away, you know. Who, who, who haven't and they haven't been diagnosed with it exactly obviously and, and but he, he he who has doesn't have, have a comment and, and yeah. i think and i think part part of it could be that he doesn't really want to join the argument especially right now honestly if he if he's struggling with the virus and everything it's not something i would be thinking about personally oh should the nba return or not i would be thinking about my own well-being in my life which is on the line essentially uh but i i think that maybe as the the weeks are, are coming he might we might hear more from patrick ewing i i see that he just uh was released from the hospital uh about 20 hours ago and uh you know so so we might be hearing more out of him in regards to what his opinion is on the whole returning of the season. But from what I've heard as a whole, whether or not he comes out with a comment, I have a good feeling the NBA is going to continue their, their process. Uh, I'm seeing Brian Windhorst tweeting all the time about pretty much a done deal that the NBA is coming back. And like you said, they're already getting uh, hotels ready and all that stuff. I think me personally, I would love to see that come back. And especially in our hometown in Orlando, that'd be awesome. Uh, you know, the facilities they have there at the wide world of sports are like, honestly, unlike any other. It, have, it would be, it would be perfect for, for yeah. playing these games, you know, totally especially agree. with, especially with no fans, which yeah. obviously is how they're going to continue. And, and, but, and even going going into it, like I, like I said, like I really I think that even Patrick Ewing knows that that his comments I don't think would affect the start of the season maybe as much as we'd like to think it would. Um, I think the NBA kind of has their mindset, and if they have a safe plan to move forward, I don't see why they wouldn't be okay with moving forward. You know, I, I think if if they can explain it that listen, like we are going to test these players every day. And even if someone does that, that's a big question is like, if someone does come in, like come into tact, like in contact with the virus does, and this is for all sports as a whole, like does the season, do they halt the entire season again? Like they did previously, or do they get that player and the people that that player was in direct contact with in the past, you know, 48 hours or so and like get them in quarantine essentially and can they do it safely and and everyone would have to go into these hotels and probably not leave it would be a very lockdown type of situation i'm sure they would have food ready on hand for all the players that they, they wouldn't even have to worry about leaving and so I think they're going to, at least from what I understand, they're planning on going about it the safest way possible. And I don't think that they would go about it if they knew that it wasn't the safest way possible, especially the NBA with, with something they could just easily say, all right, we're just going to throw away the 2020 season. As much as that might suck, they could easily do that. And I think, you know, the determination from front offices and players who are actually wanting to play – this is like the total opposite from the MLB, which is actually shocking because 
these NBA players want to get back to play. Like they're bored. They'll they do. They'll do anything. They'll get do back. Anything. They'll take a money loss. They'll whatever. You know, they just want to be back for the love of the game. And then you look at the MLB, where ninety percent of their players are complaining because they're losing some of their salary. I mean, so, you've seen you've seen LeBron. LeBron has been hosting private practices with his Lakers teammates, of just course. because in a in a sense, a lot of them don't have access to courts. No, a lot. I a mean, lot of them live in apartments. Yeah, where a lot of the newer, I mean, I guess you could say like younger NBA players. Yeah, live in apartments. I mean, you you're not gonna have your home court like you're you're not you're not gonna have that until probably about your third or fourth year in the in the league, right. uh, successfully third or fourth year. And and I think that yeah, a lot of players don't have full access to that. I think the the fact that a lot of these uh, facilities are opening up is really good for everything involved. Uh, players staff coaches like and and it's a good sign for sports fans all around that that stuff is finally moving and i would love to see the nba come back as far as the 16 seed playoff situation or 16 uh, you know one through 16 team playoff they've talked about doing this in the past without covid they that this has been an idea because of how skewed the east and the west have been in previous years uh, they've been thinking about just getting rid of it all together and doing a one through 16 this as is, if we were, this one is the perfect time to do it. You yeah. know, like there's, there's obviously no travel expenses, travel disadvantages. They're all going to be playing in the same place. Except- there's going to be no East versus West. Mm-hmm. So why not, why not give it a chance and see how it goes since the East, the East and the West have been so, at such a difference as far as talent goes for the past few years, why why not just give it a chance this year? Yeah, and I think, like you said, this is the perfect time to do it. Like, you're going to pull out all stops to make sure the league comes back as successfully as possible. Now, I do not, do not think that they should go directly into the 16-team playoff. I think that would be the largest mistake that the NBA could make as far as what we've been hearing. It seems as though that might be what's happening, but I think they need to have at least 10 like regular season games before they go directly into the playoffs. Yeah. And they don't, they don't need to have every, every team. I, I was, I'm thinking the same thing, you know, don't jump right into the playoffs. Not only would that be, uh, hurtful to the players just to jump straight into the playoffs with no no game experience well not game experience but really no warm up before yeah. jumping straight into you know important you know important games but it would you be know, so go pointless. one through go one through 12 in each conference for the teams that you know legitimately had a chance of still making the playoffs you don't need Atlanta or Golden State or not only Phoenix. would that be like, yeah, or Phoenix. Like, yeah. you don't need any of those teams that not only would that be hurtful in, you know, in potentially catching COVID-19 and putting the players in danger in that aspect, but also, you know, you don't need to risk injuring a young star and Trey Young for 
meaningless games. Yeah. You really there there is no way that I see them bringing back all 32 teams. Like I I just don't see any point in it. I totally agree. I think that like the I honestly even if they just were to bring the 16 that would be in the playoffs and then have them duke it out to see maybe some seeding change changes or like the t- top 12 in each division to see if maybe some people like the Pelicans or maybe the Nets would fall out of the playoffs or the Magic. And so especially the Pelicans and in, in my eyes were are really important to keep playing because they were playing over 500 basketball for the last month, really, before all this happened. And yeah. currently, currently, they're three and a half games behind a eighth seeded Grizzlies. But do you know how much fun it would be to watch a possible Zion and LeBron series? Oh, I have been dreaming of it. Like, I, I think that, like, that needs to happen. Whether it's this year, I, I, I honestly would be okay with it not being this year. I think it would. I'm a big Zion fan. Honestly, probably my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now. I wouldn't miss a Zion game like He's just so dominating when he gets on the court. And I think that because of his injuries and all that stuff, it wouldn't hurt him to maybe just end end where they're at now this year and kind of be able to train and get into the practice facility and get ready for next year. From the Pelicans' perspective, I wouldn't be fully – if I were the Pelicans, I wouldn't be super upset that – they weren't going to be in this playoff system just because of how young the team is and they don't want to risk any type of in like especially reoccurring injury like with Zion and coming off of just kind of sitting around and not being able to practice or anything the likelihood would be a lot higher so I think from the Pelicans perspective and even from a big Zion fan perspective I wouldn't be super upset to not see them in this playoff uh, just for their future as a whole. But I, I do think it would be unfair to not allow some of these teams, like the, yeah, the top 12, the, the uh, pretty much the four from each division kind of fight to get into the playoffs. Now, whether or not they take that seriously, like I said, from the Pelicans perspective, maybe they don't want to be in the playoffs. Maybe they, you know, don't play to their full potential or don't play a couple players. Which not, not, yeah, not even Zion, but just for the lo- whole Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, former Lakers, obviously, yeah. playing against them again. You know, the, the series would most likely, 99% chance, go the Lakers' way. It'd be pretty And it wouldn't be a long series. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but just for the whole drama aspect involved with that, being coming from a huge basketball fan's perspective i would love to watch that series are you kidding me i'd much rather see the lakers and the pelicans than the lakers and the nets like come on like the nets there's no need there's i that's gonna be probably the biggest blowout series in all of the playoffs and yeah and going going to that the well the 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 one through 16 playoffs would be a lot of east versus west matchups We'll go through them right now. You okay? So the Lakers and the Nets were are currently two and fifteen, and 
I I agree that that is gonna that's gonna be a huge lopsided series. Yeah, that's and, that's pretty much the Nets can go ahead and pack their things after one week <laughs> of being in that quarantine city. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be that would be a sweet, you know. The Lakers, the Lakers would be the two seed right behind right behind the Bucks, who are the one seed against our Orlando Magic. Hometown Orlando Magic. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I I could see that I could see that being a sweep too. Uh, yeah, the, unfortunately, yeah. The 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 Magic do they do have talent. There's no you know, Vucevic, Evan Fournier is a very underrated player. Yeah, totally agree. Aaron Gordon, like they they have some they do have some talent. I think the problem with the Magic is they can never put it together and they can never stay consistent. They'll they'll play the Bucks one day and beat them, and then they'll play, you know, the Nets one day and get blown out. And it's like you, you never know with the Magic. I think the NBA as a whole is a very like day to day type of league, and you never really know who's gonna win each day. I mean, it, it does depend on the matchup, but with, with the Magic this season, I just don't see it happening for them, especially off of a one seed uh, Bucks and Giannis team that that's just looking to be unstoppable. So I uh I don't think the magic is their roadblock here. <laughs> completely completely agree. If yeah, and for a team that really has hasn't had a star outside of Vucevic in rec- in recent memory, I really do respect them for not completely tanking this season. Yeah. Or even last season, you know. But like you and, said, and the thing with the Magic, and and this sucks from a from a organizational standpoint. But like for the past five years, yeah, they have not tanked. They've always been an average team. They'll make it to the first round of the playoffs, probably an eight seed, maybe a seven seed, get beat in that first round, and then go home. And then in that situation, they never get that high of a draft pick. So they can't necessarily get as much traction as, as some of these other teams like the Pelicans, who were kind of at the bottom, get the first round draft, first pick in the draft, and then automatically have, number one, a hugely marketable player, and number two, uh, like are automatically put into somewhat of contention. And the problem with the Magic is a couple things. They don't have that marketable of a player at all. Like the right. last, the last big marketable player was Dwight Howard, and that was yeah. in like the 2010, like 2010, 2012 range. And who? Mo Bamba, Aaron Gordon. <laughs> I mean, like it, they, it just they have, and when they have had good players, they've competed. That I mean, they made the finals with Dwight Howard. They consistently made the Eastern Conference Finals with Dwight Howard. Before yeah. that, it was Shaq and Penny Hardaway. For sure. But they started at the bottom. And I and I think in right. order to in order for the Magic to catch traction and do that, they either need to make some big moves in free agency, which the problem with the city of Orlando as a whole is you're not going to get LeBron or Kyrie or Kevin Durant to come to Orlando. As unfortunate as that is, the market is so small that these big name players are not going to choose to come to Orlando. 
Right. You know, so so they really have to do it through the draft, and it's it's hard to do it through the draft when you have a mid mid range pick every year. It sucks. But right. anyways, yeah, no that that will be very lopsided. I could see that going five games in favor of the Bucks. And no, I agree. Either either five games or or a sweep. You know, the Bucks are the Bucks are. You know. And and here here's part of my question too. Now, Orlando being the city of the host city of this whole thing, if they were to potentially allow f- limited fans or whatever, they could honestly. There's really not many seats in in the even the main like stadium for the for the wide world of sports. So if they could bring in, you know, let's say a few thousand fans. Would they be Magic fans, and would they have somewhat of a home court advantage? That's a question they have to think about as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I still don't think that would be, especially in a matchup against the Bucks, who oh, are I, yeah. finals bound. I don't think it would matter at all. At I all, totally really. agree, but, but you know, it's something to think about because I, I think in the NBA you feed off the energy of the crowd, and if and if you really only have one city to pull from in terms of fans, then, you know, it, it might have an impact on the game, but doubtful. I definitely still agree five game series in favor of the box. So <laughs> going from that to three seat, the theoretical three seated Raptors to the 14th seated Grizzlies. I, I think the Raptors, the Raptors are so underrated this year. Obviously, losing Kawhi Leonard, a lot of people doubted them going into the season and saying that they were going to be an eight, eight, seven seed, if that. Yeah. But they're second seed in the East right now. And I think that me personally, I love watching the Toronto Raptors. I think they're a super fun team to watch. Their story is awesome. Yes, losing Kawhi, coming off of winning the NBA championship, their first one and still being the third seed in the playoffs that that's you got to commend them for that like that is very impressive i think that Kawhi can either make or break a team we've seen that i mean he was in toronto for one year won a championship and you know with uh san antonio won a championship like so so he's proven to come in and and win almost immediately and i think that uh you know Losing him was key, but they they still, you know, as much as maybe in the moment we thought they were role players, they've stepped up and, uh, you know, really kind of proven themselves as a team to to be reckoned with. So a lot of that has to go to Nick Nurse and obviously Masai Ujiri, too, really, really controlling this team and getting them to not think about last season you know a lot of that and especially guys like Kyle Lowry Marcus Gasol very underrated players yeah Kyle Lowry essentially is leading that team you know if you really think about it he's he's been on he's been with them for a while and uh you know been able to do that I, I think uh, another player that's really he kind of went off in the playoffs was Fred Van Vliet. And I think that he's, he's stepped up in, in a way that he's needed to and had a really killer year this year. 
so that that was really good for the team as a whole. A lot of a lot of these role players, Norman Powell, yeah, they've stepped up to to actually do something. And and yeah, they 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 currently have six six players over averaging over ten points per game, and you know Pascal Siakam who really came came in his own last year playing as a section op, second option before behind Kyle La- or not Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard he stepped up this year and yeah. a lot of people didn't think he would be able to do that i yeah and i totally agree i think that i think in this in this game the raptors w- against the uh Memphis Grizzlies, I think the Raptors pull it away easy. I, yeah. think, I think that is another five-game series. I think the Raptors have proven themselves. They had that long winning streak in the middle of the season. They've they've been able to overcome some barriers and and you know really really kind of take the league by storm. So I, I think if, they would have that game. If that. if if they were to do the typical playoffs, East versus West. If anybody were to challenge, oh, I think we I think we lost him. Um, but I think what he was going with was if if anyone were to challenge the Bucks, it would be the Raptors, and I totally agree. I think that, uh, you know, the Bucks are obviously the most, you know intimidating team in the east obviously with Giannis probably the the best player in that division and I think that the Raptors really do have a chance Uh, obviously in this playoff breakdown they wouldn't have a chance until the finals but they would have a chance if if we were in the typical east west and I and I think I think it would be the Raptors and the Bucks potentially in the conference finals going going from that to a four four seeded Clippers a 13th seeded Mavericks. I could see I I could see that at the longest going six games. You know, the tandem of Luca and Kristaps in Dallas is a very young, obviously the first year of them playing together. Very young but very good duo. The Clippers, however, as you totally as agree. you mentioned before, playoff Kawhi is a whole different animal. Playoff Kawhi is unstoppable. I, I, yeah. I think that I, I agree with you in, in terms of I think that the Mavericks in the ne- in the next two to three years, the Mavericks are going to be top three, top four team in the East or the West for a while with Luca. Sorry, in the West, yes. And I, I think that. I th- I think they are forced to kind of be, uh, you know, fought with. But I I think with Kawhi and the Clippers, in my opinion, I think they were the biggest threat to the Lakers in the Western Conference. They never they beat the Lakers every time they played them this year in the regular season, and I and I think that says a lot. Uh, because, like I said, playoff Kawhi is a different. That, that animal. I could see so. that. I realistically, I could see that being a five five game series. I could see Luca and Kristaps combining for 70, 75 points one game, 
because their their offense is phenomenal. One of the best offenses in the league. One of the best offenses, efficiency yeah. wise, we've ever seen. But the defense of the Clippers is on a whole other level. And in a in a four to seven game series, yes. I just think the that duo just doesn't have enough experience together to actually pull that off just yet. But like you said, in the next few years, that's going to be the potentially the best duo in the NBA and could be a contender out West for many, many years to come. Yeah. And, and I think also the good thing with the uh, Mavs in the West is they're pretty locked down for a while. They have a lot of their right. players and I, I don't see them going anywhere. Like they, you know, they, Luca is still really young. They have uh, uh, Willie Collie Stein, really young, underrated center, in my opinion. Uh, they have uh, Seth Curry, who has proven himself to be a good shooter. Uh, you know, Kristaps uh, Porzingis, who just got there this last year. So they'll be, and then if you look at like the Clippers and the Lakers. A lot of a lot of the big stars' contracts are looking like to be over within the next like few years, and who knows if Anthony Davis will be back with yeah. the Lakers even next year. And that, and what's most important to them is keeping those those two together for a long time, because that that could be a yeah. really really scary team. I totally agree. I think that if they can keep those players together for a while, and I think, I think it's you know Mark Cuban is going to do everything he can to make sure those players stay together because he just has a track record of make you know making stuff like that happen. And I think I think he'll be able to do it. It's a matter of uh, you know right how long they'll stay and going going from that to you know. Five seeded Celtics and the and the twelfth seeded Seventy Sixers. I could see that being you know the Celtics. The Celtics are very good, very underrated. But this is a chance Fair. for Jason Tatum to prove himself as one of the stars in the NBA. You know. You know when he when he really first yeah, started totally emerging agree. as a young star, he was playing behind Kyrie, and this is the first time that he yeah is the man of this team, and the playoffs is when you mm-hmm. show that. Yeah, you prove yourself, and I think I think with Jason Tatum, he's still super young, but I mean, if you look at it, he's averaging about 24 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Like it, it, I don't know. He's just proven in the last and it, and it sucks that I think we, we kind of got cut short with his like rise to fame in the NBA a little bit because he was really just starting to get traction kind of towards the end of the year, like end of the season. But with, uh, with, with him, I think that he, he's proven himself to, He'll be a star for years to come, and I think I think the Celtics team is easy. I think they'll take the 76ers easily. I think the 76ers are a team that is just like beaten down, and 
and I really don't see them going very far. There's, in the there's just a lot of drama. Of they were playing a lot of. I don't think. Yeah, a lot of drama. They don't have a lot of team chemistry. I think that in in big situations like this, I really don't think they're going to be and, able to pull yeah. it through. Yeah, you know? a lot of a lot of people had them after acquiring Al Horford in the off season as title contenders, but I just think that the team is just very not knowing who's who's the man of that team, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. But, yeah, I mean, I could maybe see that going six. Maybe. Yeah, I, but... I could see a six-game series there. I think I think the Celtics have it. I, I So, yeah, I, I think it would be the, for, the Celtics for sure. and the Clippers. Going that from that round. to, which could have been a very, very fun series to watch, but the six-seeded Denver Nuggets, 11th-seeded Indiana Pacers. Before the injury to Bogdanovich or the Pacers, that would have been a very fun series to watch. Two very, you know, not typical yes. teams in the NBA, as in the current NBA, without a, without a big-name star with Indiana and Denver. But I see Denver handling that easily since, obviously, Indiana's leading scorer, Bogdanovich, had season-ending surgery on his wrist last week. I don't know how you feel about it, but I see that being maybe five-game series at most. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that uh, I think the Nuggets kind of have this one. Uh and uh, it's unfortunate for the injury, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that the, they the would, return they would of have it. Oladipo towards right, literally right before the thing, the COVID nineteen outbreak. It was an interesting story for the Pacers, and who knows when he come when the playoffs return? If the playoffs return, if Oladipo will be close to a mold of his former self again for all of these injuries. But I really just don't see that happening. He was, he was playing well before the season abruptly ended, but I just don't see him being the player we knew beforehand, averaging 20, 23 points per game. He was averaging 14 for the 13 games that he did play before the season ended, but he wasn't shooting particularly well from the field. It was really, really inconsistent, but. Mm -hmm. And I think the whole, the whole pandemic as a whole put a lot of, a lot of these players who were just getting into the groove of it like Victor Oladipo coming back from injury right before this all kind of started. I think that hurts a lot to, because like it takes a lot to ramp up to get to the playoffs. And I, I do think they will have somewhat of a regular season before they go straight into the playoffs. But even then it's like, it, it's hard. And a lot of these players have just been sitting around. Uh, we talked about it previously. A lot of the players don't have full access to a, uh, a court in their backyard or a court at an apartment complex. And even then it's like, you know, imagine Victor Oladipo playing with 
you know, some scrubs who live at the apartment. So, so it's like, it really doesn't help the whole situation. And I think a lot of even big name players are going to not come back like we've seen them before. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of teams go through some really, really long, bad losing streaks, good teams, in the beginning of the year because they're just not ready. And they have to get, like, get going in order to, you know, in order to get to where they are. And I think that this kind of halted everything. And it's going to – anyone who kind of was right in the middle of their stride when it was when it was stopped is right. going to hurt and, from it. And, you know – you know, yeah, the the whole thing. Same with, you know, players like Zion Williamson. And I I apologize. That was the wrong Bogdanovich I was talking about. The one that I was talking about was playing for the Jazz. Is plays for the Jazz right now. But but no, like you said, the the groove of the NBA season, you know, the the pattern that these players are used to, you know, was was completely uh, disrupted by this pandemic and that's like you said that that is why they need to go back into the season you know even if it's 10 games maybe not finish the 16 17 that were left but it's important that they go back into the season not only for the players sake but for the quality of play that's going to that's going to be yes. had in if they go straight into the playoffs is not going to be great if if they do that and the qual- the quality of play will no- will regardless even if they play 10 games 15 games whatever we're going to have to understand the quality of play for this playoffs. However, it looks is not going to be anywhere near as good and, as if and nowhere, nowhere it near as intense. It's already over, you know, better, you know, in my opinion, it's better than nothing, no matter what it ends up being. But now totally that we agree, now that we're, we're at the seventh, seventh seed now jazz, as I, as I meant to say earlier, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, did have season-ending surgery on his wrist. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. 20-point-per-game score for the Jazz against the 10th-seeded Rockets because of that. As I meant to say earlier, so sorry about that. He did play. He played for the Pacers last season. And kind of, kind of confusing situation. Kind of there's, confusing situation. Yeah, Bogdan, <laughs> Bog, Bog, Bogdanovich yeah. and Bojan Bogdanovich. But... But yes, the Rockets are a very interesting team, in my opinion. You know, the start, the duo of Russell Westbrook and James Harden is one that not a lot of people saw being successful. And the whole, the whole small ball thing, a lot of people doubted. And that seemed to be the, the, motto of the season for the Rockets is just a lot of people doubting them. You know, is James Harden were, or is he capable of leading a championship team? And I think I think that he's proven that just based on this season 
and and I think that I, I I do think I yeah I think the the injury to Bogdanovich is is really hurtful for the Pacers and also another aspect of or from the <laughs> Sorry. Detroit Jazz. You're gonna be getting all confused now. Uh, and e- even the whole situation, you know, as much as this might suck, the whole thing with uh, COVID nineteen in the beginning, this is where it started. Donovan Mitchell got the virus, right? Rudy Gobert from yeah. one of his players. And 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 in all honesty, we've heard quotes from uh, Donovan Mitchell saying that he doesn't see a way that he can forgive him, and and, and I I don't necessarily blame him. It, Rudy Gobert was pretty reckless in the whole situation and and didn't take it as seriously as maybe i mean i'm sure no no one took it as seriously as we should have in the beginning but regardless if you're on a big stage like that you should not be doing some of the things he did it's just immature and stupid and that could have caused uh you know donovan mitchell to get it and i think the team chemistry on this team isn't going to be anywhere to where it was at one point due to that Unfortunately, I think it, I think it's true though. I think I think that along with the injury and then the chemistry on the team and team morale, like it's just not good. They're not in a good situation at all to succeed. And I I I don't think the Houston Rockets are a championship team by any means. I think that they will go in and get to the next round and you know play the Lakers and most likely get beat, but. I think this is James. If if James Harden were to get anywhere closer, it could potentially be this year, just because of the whole situation. And you never know how teams are going to come back and play. It's and so up in the air. Yeah, it's the, crazy the, to me because the Rockets. See, that's where that's where I I disagree. If if this were a typical playoffs, I could see the Rockets beating either of the LA teams in a seven game series, you know, that, that you only go as far as your stars go in the NBA and the, the Westbrook James Harden duo is, is what James Harden needed and needs in the NBA in his career. Westbrook is, is a pass first player and he he just started this season to really embrace that not only that but the fact that he's not shooting nearly as many threes which he shouldn't be but James Harden is of isolation isolation scorer and I I I do think that the whole the the duo of Westbrook and Harden. It, I think yes. I think this would be Harden's best chance to get to any type of a championship in recent years. Because I agree with you, Westbrook is a pass first player. Harden needs to get it on the outside. I, I think that 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 is a big factor for it. I just have never been a big fan of this Houston Rockets team. I I think that they. I mean, in, in years past, they always will be in the playoffs and they'll always have a lot of hype around them. And then come playoff time, they choke and they never can really do anything. And I don't know if that has to do with maybe James Harden or, or the whole mentality behind that. But I, I don't know. I, I just don't regardless. I don't see this this team uh, going too far in the playoffs. Well, 
either either way, this this playoffs is going to be interesting to say the least. Our last last series, which is the most intriguing in my opinion, is the eight seeded Heat and the ninth seeded Oklahoma City Thunder. Two teams that going into the season, nobody would have expected either of them to play as as well as they were playing. The Heat, yeah, you know, acquiring Jimmy Butler. But the most interesting part of their team is the emergence of guys like Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn. And for the Thunder, it's yeah. kind of the same thing. You know, a player who, even like Chris Paul, who has led a team to success in the past, even if he's towards the end of his career, but he's kind of molding guys like Shai Gilgis Alexander. I agree. I think that you this is a matchup between two younger teams. Obviously, like we've said, Chris Paul and Steven Adams are two pretty well-known, proven players on their team. But other than that, they're all young, young players. And the the Thunder within the next five years or so are going to need to be starting over pretty soon uh, because I think Chris Paul is not going to be there for too long. And, and I, I think the Heat personally would have this series. The Heat were one of my favorite teams in the league throughout the year uh, due to these big stars. They had two all-stars on the team, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Bam is proven to be one of the best centers in the league currently. Uh, center forwards, point, my bad. Point and, uh, and even <laughs> whatever, whatever he is. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, point fours. <laughs> yeah, whatever he is. Uh, plays a lot of roles. And uh, it, even uh, Derek Jones Jr. has proven himself. And then they they added Andre Igudala, or Igudala. And I And I think as much as he might not be as dominant as he once was, that's a big addition to the floor just in general. Um I, I really, really like this Heat team. Uh, Tyler Hero had some injury issues uh, kind of throughout the year and was kind of slumping for a little bit. But if you can get this team going and shooting, I think this team will be really hard to beat. And, and I could even see them going further in this playoffs than just that first round. Uh, unfortunately, they would have to play the Bucks, which would be... I think a closer series I, I agree than with some that. people might think. I've seen them play. I, I I've seen them play the Bucks uh, in the regular season and beat them pretty handily, actually. And uh, I, I think that the Heat would really put up a fight in this playoffs, regardless of the format. So that will be I, a really I, really fun matchup to watch. I think the Thunder are one of, if not the most underrated team in the teams in the NBA. And I heavily, heavily disagree with what you, how, what you said about the Thunder after Chris Paul may retire whenever he does retire. Because putting Chris Paul as a mentor for Shai Gilgis Alexander has proved dividends for this Thunder team. You know, the three point kind of point guards that they have with Shai, Dennis Schroeder, and Chris Paul has proven to be so effective and I could 
100% see that series going seven games just be, just because of – I, I And even oh, outside of that, with a guy like Danilo Gallinari stretching the floor, Steven Adams, like you said earlier, as not only a rebounder but as a paint protector, you know, they, they are – I see that team being – same as the same situation as the Mavericks as a team, if they stay together, could be a threat to the league for a long time. And and I, I would like, yeah, I would agree with you there. My my thing with this whole Thunder team, I think it will be a very good matchup. I'm not saying that the Heat by any means will destroy them every game, and I think it will be taken to seven, but I think, but but I still kind of I, I kind of could see the the Thunder going into a Magic type situation where they will make the playoffs and they have a lot of these young stars and I see what you're saying from the mentorship aspect of Chris Paul for Shy Gil Shy Gildress Alexander and all these players, but they 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 still would need that big star and I I don't think without Chris Paul, they wouldn't necessarily have that on their team. And, and, you know, obviously through free agency and stuff, we've seen Oklahoma City or OKC be a team that can draw some big-name free agents. As much as that might be strange, they can and they have in the past. And I think that if they can do that, they will be successful going forward. I don't necessarily think after Chris Paul's days are over with the OKC that they will be too much of a force to be reckoned with. I think, you know, another aspect of it too, I think they have one of the best head coaches in the NBA. And I think it's good when you have a young team like this to have a good head coach and Billy Donovan, he was up to be coach of the year. Like, I I think that what he's done with this Thunder team to get them where they are. Nobody. No one would have thought that they would be in the playoffs as a, you know, a seven seed or sorry, a nine seed. And if it was a regular right. playoff format, they'd be even higher. So right. I, I think that I, I do, I do agree. I think this Thunder team is a force, but I, I'm not too sure for and, years to come. And I guess we'll we do to have see. to <laughs> give a lot of credit to Chris Paul for this team, which as, as absurd as it sounds, Chris Paul is very, is so underrated as a player. And, and oh yeah, you, just because of not winning a championship, a lot of people like to diminish his legacy. And and obviously, he hasn't been the same player the last five years as he was in his prime. But in his prime, arguably the best point guard in in the NBA. Yeah, and I mean he's still an right. all star. Let's not put it past him, like. He still made the all-star team this last year. He is is really proving to be the factor on this Thunder team. And, and like you said, I think now his role is more as a mentor than a star. And I, and I think for the Thunder as an organization, huge to have Chris Paul to be able to market him and all that type of stuff. But yeah, like on the court aspect of it, he's really going to be able to mold some of these younger players. It's super smart. I think that 
like I think a team like the Pelicans would benefit from having a like a proven star on their team or proven veteran at least to be able to mentor some of those younger players. And I think that yeah, I, I do think that that could be a factor for the for the Thunder. And I think this will be. A I great do series, I do have the Heat I, I winning, have the, but have the Heat no, coming through. I one hundred percent have the Heat winning this series, but I think it's going to be a lot more interesting than people think it will be yeah i agree i think that i think this whole playoffs as a like in general will be in extremely intriguing and right i don't know if i'll miss a game definitely not i I can't i can take that back i won't miss right a regular season or a playoff game and that's going to be my complete focus but i uh i i do say i i think this would be a really really good good matchup so i guess currently we would have in the second Mm -hmm. round the bucks against the heat the clippers and the celtics the lakers Mm -hmm. and the rockets the raptors and yeah the denver nuggets that's gonna be that's gonna be so a very fun series or very fun playoffs and it was gonna it was gonna be so much fun before and I just hope that these playoffs do end up happening because this is going to be one of the most fun playoffs to watch maybe in the past five years. I I hope they play out how we would like them to. And, and, you know, not necessarily how we would like them to. I just hope they have some entertainment value because like we've said, like the, the whole atmosphere, like, and even players like LeBron has come out and said that playing without fans diminishes his play like he he won't play nearly up to the level of like playoff lebron <laughs> like zero dark 30 like he he won't he won't play to that level without the energy from the fans so i i think this whole playoffs are going to be super interesting just to kind of see how how the players react mm-hmm. to the situation they're put in um and I'd love to see it. I, I would, you know, I, I've been thinking about this too. I think it'd be super, super cool to have like a, like a reality show uh, surrounding like the quarantined <laughs> NBA players, like interacting with each other. And I, I just want some behind the scenes. If they're gonna do it this way and not let fans in the games, they need to give they, us they, some. They like, might as well. I mean, to like we have nothing. We have nothing else going on besides. Besides these possible playoffs, so they might as well figure out more ways to make it fun. I, I totally agree, and I think the NBA as a league is it's, one of the best. It's leagues like a it's like a drama show in fun. itself. The you, the off season for the NBA is basically a reality TV show. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, th- this league is like it, they're so they're so drama, so drama. It's all petty drama, and it's all petty, and it's all <laughs> it's all Twitter battles, and all nothing like the Jordan era of if you piss off Jordan, he will absolutely destroy. If you, if you blink at but him, he'll drop I, I fifty on that, him. <laughs> yeah, if you blink at him the wrong way, he will he will make up something to make sure that he beats you specifically. And I don't think we have that in today's NBA. 
And I, and I think it's going to be super interesting to see how the NBA handles the whole thing. Like I was saying, like, I think the NBA in terms of compared to the NFL and the MLB and the NHL, like the Adam Silver does an incredible job and puts some incredible people around him. People don't give him the credit that he really, really deserves for that. Like whatsoever. I think he does a great job. And I think, I think he's probably the best commissioner in sports today. And I think if you look at, for example, the all-star game this last year, in my opinion, one of the best all-star games I've watched in a really, really, really long time. Typically the NBA all-star game is just a shooting fest. that yeah. isn't really too, too much fun to watch, you know? And I think that he has adapted to that. And the whole idea of letting the biggest stars, LeBron and Giannis, who was yeah. this year, uh, Giannis, that was it was a fantastic idea. The players and and it's it's a great idea and, and broadcast the draft and and really put some entertainment value behind the whole thing. And then also the little ode to mm. Kobe and doing the whole twenty or uh, twenty four points over. Uh, the final score at the end of the third quarter, and then they get rid of the – like, I think that's awesome. And if the la- that last quarter of the All-Star game was super entertaining because – It was intense. They were actually playing. Like, they, you, they were – it was intense. You didn't know who was going to win until the last second. <laughs> and it doesn't matter, know you know. Won. Like, and it's, it's, it's like, just the best players in the NBA. And being a fan of basketball, you love that. You love seeing those players the highest level yeah. of basketball possible – being played at that at that intensity yeah and i and i i would give full credit to adam silver and the nba for really making this a really fun league to watch in a league that i'm really looking forward to coming back one that honestly i never really got into until the last three or four years but the the things they've done recently and the the style of play and the and Adam Adam you know, Silver has it's just had really fun a to lot watch, and I'm, I, to deal with, you know, as being a commissioner. Obviously, the yeah. passing of Kobe Bryant, passing of David Stern. He's had a lot to deal with, and he's handled yeah. it flawlessly, as well as you, as well as a commissioner could. Smoothly. COVID nineteen, yeah, and I think everything they did to close down the season in this pandemic was done correctly as well and i think that as much as it sucks it had to be done and i think i I love that they're doing everything that they can to make sure we the fans have a season to watch or play you know at least have some clarity to the season and i and i think that they're doing a lot of it for the fans and i think that's awesome so super super excited to to see how that plays out i you know can't wait i'm uh Really, really looking forward to it. I need some type of live I, I, I agree. In my life. And talking, talking about another legend in the NBA, the unfortunate passing of longtime Jazz head coach Jerry Sloan after a long time battle with Parkinson's mm. disease and dementia. One of, in my eyes, one of the most unappreciated coaches of all time. Coached the the great Karl Malone, John Stockton led yeah. Jazz teams in the nineties. Went back or went to back to pack NBA finals in 1997 and 1998. Lost to those Michael Jordan led Bulls teams both times. No, no knock on, of course, Jerry Sloan, but but fourth all time in wins, countless, countless accolades. 
his 23 seasons coaching the Jazz, coaching one team is an all-time was an all-time record before being broken the season by Greg Popovich with the Spurs. In his 23 season, 23 seasons coaching, only finished below 500 one time. Out of the five coaches in NBA history who've coached over 2,000 games, the only one with a winning percentage over 600. Now, in a league where coaches are the first to go when a team starts struggling, Jerry Sloan never gave the Jazz organization a reason to in 23 years. Yeah. And it's very impressive. And I, I've expressed my opinion on the whole idea of coaching in today's NBA. But in his in his era of the NBA, coaching was very important. And I think that he did it to the best of his ability. And the NBA definitely lost a legend. And it's it's sad to see. And, you know, in a time when you know, everything's kind of clouded by what's going on in the world. It's, it, you know, it's hard to look at legacies. And I think that we're not talking about uh, Jerry Sloan on the national stage of things as much as maybe we should and his legacy. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but one of the best to ever coach. He's, he's, he's in my, he's in my Mount Rushmore for sure. You know, maybe not the same tier as, a Phil Jackson or a Pat Riley, but right below them, if anything. And the only thing that I think a lot of people knock on him is that he never won a championship. But in my eyes, you know, staying yeah, with one and- team for 23 years is as impressive, if not more impressive than winning yeah. two, three championships. I agree. First ever, first head coach in NBA history to get to a thousand wins with one team, and that that's a big feat. And I and I do think that Jerry Sloan probably, not probably, would be the best NBA coach in the history of the NBA to never win a championship. And and unfortunately, just throughout history, that just that that has a big impact on someone's legacy as much as maybe. Hey, I don't I, I don't know. I you, part argument you could say it should have something to do with it. But then if you look at the other accolades and if you look at the factors that come in the way of him actually winning a championship like Michael Jordan, it was just a wrong era. And and I think if maybe he was coaching in today's NBA, you would see right. you, we would have a different where, story. Where, so. where coaching was so know. important in Greg, that era. Like you said, you know, Phil Jackson with the with the Bulls, him with the Jazz, they, you know, they they were very important to a team success where we we talked about it last week it's not as important in the nba today where it's a players league no not at all very much so and i i think that it's on it's very unfortunate and i'm you know sad to see him go but a legend Legend in the game and really, really modernized. Should never the, be forgotten. The current NBA. NBA with, I mean, he really did modernize it. You know, with the pick and roll, with the Carl Malone and John Stockton, pick and roll was a forefront to the modern NBA. Yeah, I I, I agree, and it's 
very important, yeah, for the modern NBA to to look back at what he did and yeah. recognize and, that. You know, that that's really all we all we had as far as sports goes. Out this past week, there was a lot a lot of music that was released. Two albums that I really want to focus in on. Starting off with Code of the Friend. If you haven't heard of him, as I know a lot of you haven't, he has been one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite artist, for probably the past two to three years. And if you need a perfect summer album, highly recommend listening to his everything album that he just dropped this past Friday. 12 songs with features from Joey Badass, Boz, and it's just a combination of just bars and really good vibes. It's his fifth album, and the evolution of him as, as an artist from each album is amazing. Probably one of the best I've ever seen. Now, his first album to now, you can really see his progression as a person, as an artist, and just see how this music thing has changed him. Highly recommend listening to it if you haven't done so already. Now, the next album I want to talk about is Gunna. He released his album titled Wanna. 18 songs with features from Young Thug. Two songs with Young Thug in it. Lil Baby, Roddy Rich, and Travis Scott. Now, did you really like this album? I'm going to be honest. You did not? I thought it was mid-tier at best. Five, I liked five out of 18 songs. Wow. And okay, two of them were previously released with Skybox and and wanna but the other three were met gala dollars on my head with young thug and top floor with travis scott top floor with travis what 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 did you think about it i don't know i like i liked it a lot i think that a lot a lot of these songs in my opinion had a lot of that like star power with travis scott with Roddy Rich was on a song, Lil Baby, a lot of these up and coming rap like artists, I guess you could say. Um, he he ended up getting on this uh, on this. And album. I, I think I a lot of that has to do with for me why it is. It's expected to be number one this week on the Hot 100. And it might be. I, a lot of that had to do with the features. You're you're absolutely right, but I think a lot of a lot of the songs kind of. Because he is, he is a very, kind of the same style as an artist in a lot of his songs, you know. But some of the songs were just boring to me, if I'm going to be honest. But the ones that I did mention, especially Met Gala, absolutely filthy mm-hmm. beat, absolutely killed it. And, <laughs> and songs like that, like you said, the yeah. top floor, I expect that to be a song that we hear throughout the summer. But it looks as though right now in order on uh, top 100, 
songs right now. Every song on the <laughs> album right. is in the top 50 oh in America right now. And it would go number two, Dollars in My Head, number three, Cooler Than a Bitch, number four, Blindfold, and number five, Top Floor. So, yeah, it like I mean, like I said, I think a lot of that has to do with that star power. And me personally, I guess I, I do enjoy oh, seeing Travis Scott on a track or something like that. So, so all... I'm more drawn to those type of uh, type of songs, I guess you could say. So I definitely fall for no, the and, uh, top 100 and list. That's Gunna sure. is a star. No, no doubt about that. But compared to his other albums, I just don't... I think Dripper Drown 2 was his best project by far. Drip Harder is up there too. And Drip mm. Season 3 were all better albums in my opinion. But... It was still, it was a decent album. I will say that. And there are going to be a lot of songs that, that I expect to hear, like I said, over, over the summer. And especially, especially at, you know, things like, things like tailgates and, and, well, and, and the star power is is 100% why this album is, is going to be the level that it ends up being at. And, Mm-hmm. Anyways, transitioning into my releases of the week, I have four this week, and number one is Ian Dior released a track with Lil Baby, titled "Prospect." They both absolutely killed that song, and I really want to see more of that duo as soon as possible. Ian Dior really kind of came on the scene pretty recently and he's really rose to stardom and you know a lot of a lot of us have heard his top two songs uh molly and i can't i can't remember the other one at the moment but but he's really came out of nowhere and getting a feature from someone like Lil baby is huge for him and seems like he comes up with a new song whether it's a feature or a single of his own Every week, right? And this, week. this song is yeah. just another another reason why I think this decade, twenty twenty, is going to be Lil Baby's decade. He's been killing. He's you know his his album, My Turn, might go down as the album of the year. You know, up there with obviously Eternal Take. They're on the same pedestal, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but. Another song that I really want to put a spotlight on is Young Pinch released a single called Be Yours. And Young Pinch is one of my favorite artists. He come, he's been coming out with a lot of singles recently, coming out with an album really, really soon. <clears throat> His Forever Friday Season 3 album. And if you've haven't listened to Young Pinch or don't really know who he is, highly recommend listening to him. He's he's another artist like Ian Dior who kind of came out of nowhere. Even though he has released has been releasing music for a long time. He has a single with Little Skies, which if you have heard of him, probably is where you know him from. But very, very mm-hmm. different artist as far as 
his flow and how his style of music is. But highly recommend listening to that one. He's I think this is his fourth or fifth single that he's released in the past couple months. Getting ready for his new album. My third song, which is out of that Gunna album, is Met Gala. I've probably listened to this song a dozen times since Friday. Absolutely fire. Kills the beat. <laughs> probably my favorite song on that album. It may not be the most popular song that ends up coming out of that album with all the features because this was just him with no features whatsoever. But probably my favorite song right now. And number nine. It's number nine in the country right now. That's that really doesn't that actually does surprise me with all those features like we talked about, you know, from Lil Baby, Roddy Rich, and Travis and Travis Scott. But oh yeah, you know, I I I can't say I can't say I'm disappointed at all. And I am the ear of America. Ear of America. But my number number four song had to shine light on Code of the Friends album. You know, he's like I said, he's one of my, if not my favorite artist, has been for the past couple years. His song first track on that album titled summer house like i said earlier just if you need an album for the summer this is the perfect one very very smooth just good vibes all around and may not be a typical and may not be the typical mold of a rapper right now you know guys a guy like little baby gonna travis scott but highly recommend listening to him it was at number one his album was at number one on itunes for a while after friday obviously was passed up passed by on his album but very low-key artist i really really do think this should put him on the map and have the audience a larger audience view him you know, I've I've already seen a lot of my friends that have never heard of him before post songs to I'm from the album on their story. Him. So he's he is absolutely one of my favorite artists. He <clears throat> he doesn't have a lot of a lot of big name features on that album, but if you just I don't know, it's it's just a great album. Might be one of my favorites this year outside of the typical ones like eternal to take my turn but yeah those are my top four for this week listen to all of them all of you please they're all all fire and like you said i'm the the ear of america but but that's all the time we have for today bryce and i coming with more fire next monday another episode as always so much to get into next week for Bryce Wyatt I'm Riley Shepard and we will see you all 